11 Podcast listeners. This is your host, April Hanna. And this episode, we are bringing you another Q&A panel from the Path Evolution movie screening in Austin, Texas. It was one of the coolest venues that we showed the film in. It was the Movie House and Eatery. And as filmmakers, I have to say it was probably the best venue for our screening because we actually had the opportunity to see the film on the large screen with the great surround sound of a theater system. And we were like kids in a candy shop. So we really loved uh, going out there to Austin and can't thank IMAX enough for hosting us and bringing us out there. Now, in this Q&A panel, it's just Mike and I. We didn't have a chance to have any of our experts come out, but we had some good questions. Some questions uh, are pretty familiar. Some people ask the same questions at different Q&As, so there might be a few redundant for those of you that have been listening to all the Q&A panels, but there are some new questions that the audience members asked. Now, again, we were in a theater-type um, seating, so when we were doing the Q&A panel, we only had one microphone, and Bob Price, who is the president and founder of INAX, uh, was able to repeat the audience questions. So you'll hear him as a moderator, just repeating the questions that were being asked by the audience. And we hope you enjoy this Q&A. Sorry you weren't able to make it out, but um, hopefully in the future when we do some more screenings, you'll find the benefit of actually being there at the screening and realizing that the Q&A panel is just so much fun and adds such a nice element to the movies. So I hope you enjoy. See, I've got a, a few written uh, questions here, but wanted to see if uh, anyone up and up uh, here in the seats has any questions. Just kick it off. Don't be shy. <laughs> now, this is a shy crowd. Uh, I'll break some ice. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Um, Let's go ahead and uh, get started. Would you like to say it into the mic? Sure. Why not? Why not? Charles? Hi, I'm, I'm a friend of uh, Bob's and, and just met these guys. Why is your company called Path 11? Is it Path 11? Good question. <laughs> Who would like to answer that? You want me to? Okay. Um, before I even answer any questions, I just have to say that this was such a gift to us to be able to see our film as low-budget filmmakers on a huge screen, to hear what the audio looks like and what the HD looks like was amazing. Can so, I say too? thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing, and I wanted to yeah, let you know how much I enjoyed it so much more up on this huge screen and with the great audio. Uh, so yeah, it's a blessing to be able to do that. Yes. So we just really wanted to thank you, Bob, and INAX for bringing us here and allowing this opportunity. And, you know, we're used to seeing this film through LCD players on these small little screens. And Mike and I were sitting up there, we're like, is it going to fill the whole screen? Like, I don't know. What if it's just like this block? So, I mean, to see these people so big and you guys were so brave to be in the front row, like up here, I'm watching the trailer. I had to put the, you know, the seat back to see what does this really look like? It was uh, so cool and so amazing. So thank you. That, that was a huge gift, I think, to us. We were both freaking out back there taking pictures. So, um, so Path 11, how did that come to be? Well, it, it, I guess it has to really do with synchronicity. Um, as Bob was saying in the introduction, Mike really was on a path as I was on a path before we even met each other. And we 
knew that we needed the path to somehow be a part of our business name. But when we began learning a little bit more about numerology and what numbers meant, um, if anybody is interested in numerology, Mike is a life path 11 number and I'm a nine. And then we started noticing that um, phenomenon that happens, 111, 1111 on a clock, every time we were getting together to film. And then I just started doing some research and for the heck of it, I was like, oh, I wonder how far we live from each other. And it was 11 miles. <laughs> and I was born at 111 and PM. So, you know, we were kind of noticing that the 11 had great significance in the whole filmmaking. So we decided we were on this crazy path, and the number 11 keeps popping up. So why don't we call it Path 11? So that's how it became Path 11. So thank you for Beautiful. asking that question. Very good. Okay, and if anybody does have questions up in the audience here, please just raise your hand. Uh, yes, uh, Chuck, if you want to just uh, ask your question, and then we'll, we'll repeat it down here. Yeah, well, um, I just want to say, that you all have done a grand job. You, your conception, your execution, your marketing, your art, really to be applauded for this. This is a super thing, and I'm delighted that we can be part of you seeing this on this big screen. <laughs> Terrific. I wish I'd gotten that on the mic, <laughs> but uh, for those listening to this recording, Chuck was just saying what a marvelous, a grand job our filmmakers April and Mike have done and how much uh, they enjoyed seeing it and sharing it with the filmmakers on the huge screen. Should I grab the mic? Yeah. Yeah, my question to you two, are you, uh, you guys interviewed some amazing people, got some great information, Individually, what did what is the most important or the most compelling thing that you guys learned individually? Like, I'd like to get two answers from you. That's a tough question. Probably the biggest thing, and it was probably the first question I had, was that life does go on after life. Um, yeah, and I and that it's kind of never ending, which we kind of told in this film. So yeah, I guess I guess that's probably the the biggest question for me, anyway. He's a man of few words. <laughs> um, I think for me, definitely number one was the fear of death. Uh, we both grew up more in the Catholic religion, and when I sat across from Tom Campbell, he busted a lot of my bubbles, as did William Buellman, because I really thought I go to heaven and I'm going to see everyone and woohoo and can't wait to get reunited. And uh, I remember like interviewing these people and I was thinking, oh, okay, <laughs> let me think about this some more. So um, it kind of freaked me out a little bit and I had to review some of my belief systems and it really helped me to not be afraid of death. And uh, part of the other work that I do, so I'm a mental health therapist by trade and then I also do energy work and I guess energy healer, whatever you want to call it. but. Um, it really helped me to understand energy better and consciousness so when people are coming and I'm working with people on more of the mental health level and energy level, I feel like it uh, just, I don't know, I guess blew what I was doing beforehand out of the water compared to how I'm able to relate to 
human beings and energy on that level. So that was a huge gift for me. Um, and I, you know, sometimes we do the Q&A and we're asking people like, hey Tom, hey Paul, William, can you come? Because we're still students of this. We don't even feel like we are anywhere near experts. So we're kind of like afraid sometimes to answer big questions because I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm still learning. But um, that was the biggest, the biggest change for me. Good, thank you. Yeah, and I'll have to uh, just second, uh, April was just talking about the effect on her healing work and uh, just the last day or two, all of a sudden, as this was coming up, I had an inflamed tooth uh, start to really bother me. And so I was fortunate enough to have April do a little Reiki session on me today and it was just an incredible <laughs> experience. Uh, I'm so grateful for that and so I can attest to uh, the positive effects. Uh, another question I had, uh, could you say a little more about the Explorer series that you went into with the recording uh, during the beginning and throughout the film? Yeah, back, back in the 70s, early 80s, Bob Monroe built this lab with the help of Tom Campbell, and they pretty much recorded every session they did. So they have, actually, I don't know how many recordings they have, but they publicly, on their website, put out, I think, 33. Um, they're about a half hour, hour long. But I think they have probably hundreds of hours their archives. Um, but yeah, it's, they would take, well, they had Tom as one. He's, he's probably in three or four. Um, he's listed as TC. Each file on their website, they give a little description. And they would take other people, like I think one was like the secretary in the front office. Um, I don't, some, was, some were relatives. Um, and that they would just put them in the booth. It was almost like an isolation booth where they're, they had a microphone suspended over them and they would just record everything and Bob would be guiding them uh, through a, a headphone and they would just record what they said. And, so. and were they actually in uh, an, an altered state or an OBE state at the time? Uh. Yeah. Um, they would be in an altered state uh, usually they started out in using hemisync to trigger the out-of-body state or close to the uh, out-of-body state. And the recordings we used are actually, the people are actually channeling other entities or streams of information. And yeah, and some sometimes they didn't really encounter an entity, but most of the time they did. It's not like they were looking for entities, but they would, entities would find them and talk to them and kind of And in the Beyond the Physical, we had asked um, Tom, have you ever visited Bob Monroe in the non-physical and gotten his opinion on things? And I remember him saying that, you know, it's not like Bob's just camping out there, sitting in the non-physical waiting for people to ask him questions, but that, yes, you can access his opinion as if it was data. So when we were making this film, you know, Mike and I were talking about how can we incorporate the Explorer series. So I asked Bob, 
the question. I say, hey, can you help us? Like, which one should we use? And Mike and I were kind of going through them. And the interesting thing and why we put that in there, we noticed that back, this was back in the 1970s, 80s, that some of the channeling Explorer series that you heard, they were talking about the evolution of man. And here we are trying to make a documentary about the evolution of consciousness, and this is, you know, 30 plus some odd years ago, and it was the same exact message. So uh, I thought that was really cool, and I really feel like we were guided to figure out which ones, which parts to actually include in the film, because, I mean, you could sit there for hours and hours and hours and go through all of that material. And anyone that has ever put a documentary together before knows how time consuming that is. So it really didn't take a whole lot of time for us to go through that, because I was really trying to elicit the help, too, of, uh, of Bob. So. Okay, I, I think you just answered our, our next question. Did Robert Monroe, or how did he make his presence known during the making of the film? So <laughs> I think you covered it. Question over here. About what percentage of the explorers uh, channeled entities like that? Let me just uh, repeat it for the recording. About what percentage of the explorers channeled entities uh, similar to what we saw? I, I don't really know. Um, I know Tom Campbell can't act well. He's attempted to actually channel, but he doesn't do it, or he doesn't like to do it. Um, but he would go and talk to the entity and then come back and relay what they said, where everybody else is getting a stream of info and just speaking what they're uh, being fed, I guess. I, but I don't know the exact percentage uh, yet. And you might be able to find that on the Monroe Institute's uh, website, because that's where you can find all the Explorer series on there. Okay. Any other questions from anyone? Yes, Garrick. If you can pick some of the presenters that you use in your documentaries and pick one or two things that stands out for any one of them that affected you. Something that they've said? Yeah. <clears throat> we were actually asked that this is a similar question in Fernandita Beach a few weeks ago. But the one that sticks out for me was uh, Skip Atwater in the 2015 footage. And the way he compared technology to over time and how 5,000 years ago, 500, whatever. That, that just stuck out with me. And I just like the way he talked about that as well as how technology is changing and how we can communicate with, you know, with a cell phone now and call anybody. Right. That's and he wasn't that open the first time around in 2008 when we talked to him. I mean, he just gave us a lot of good stuff, but he just kind of opened up more and just went on this tangent about technology and interconnectedness. That really stuck out. That's, that's probably my favorite, at least in this film, that you know, stick, sticks out. 
Uh, the part of this film that gets usually one of the most uh, reactions is when Nancy McMonagall quotes her mother, and the older I get, the more like I become, the more like myself I become. Um, so, you know, that was just a weird random quote out of all of the questions that we asked Nancy, and we were like, we have to get this in here somehow. And it seems to resonate with all of the audiences that we screen the film with. Um, when I sit across from Paul, I can't help but just, like he says, go to your heart. There's something very soft and very warm about him, and I just sink there. And Tom is more of my left brain, you know, thinking, and uh, that word entropy, you know. And so when I'm living in life and things are starting to get a little hectic, I feel like I hear his little chatter saying, is this high entropy or low entropy? Are you moving more towards fear or more towards love? So um, that's what I get from Tom. And uh, same thing with Skip. I totally agree with what uh, Paul had said. And William just like pumps me up. I don't know, like when you watch him, he just like gets you really excited. And I feel completely fearless when I listen to him talk. I'm like, yes, I'm going, going for it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid anymore. Um, so they each touched me in a, in a certain way. Okay. Anyone else? Yes, uh, Judy. This is something I've just kind of wondered about for a long time, if you journey, but, it, but if we keep coming back so that we can evolve, why can't we remember our past lives? I mean, wouldn't it be great to say, oh yeah, I remember that, doing that in life number three. I don't want to do that again. I have I can Okay, yeah, just to repeat the question Judy asked, uh, if we keep coming back in, the, in our uh, different lives why, as we evolve, why is it so difficult to remember the previous life? Wouldn't it maybe be easier if we could, you know, remember why we came? We asked that question <laughs> verbatim. And because uh, we were kind of, we were both really into like past lives and we wanted to figure out our connection, like were we, you know, involved in a past life together and we got a past life reading to try to understand why we came together in this lifetime. And uh, we had asked that question and one of the answers that we got, which seemed to make sense, was if you could remember all of your past lives in this moment right now, you'd be hugging everybody that you saw, kissing everybody, or, you know, being like, oh yeah, I remember you, remember you. And it would be so distracting to stay focused here in this lifetime to do what you needed to do if all of that memory flooded. So, um, I, you know, I also ended up going and being trained in hypnotherapy, too, and I think that past life regression has been really helpful for a lot of my clients, for me personally, and it seems like, you know, part of hypnotherapy and past life regression is trying to go to the life that is impacting the most present lifetime now. Um, and there seems to be good information in that, but then, in my experience, I kind of got that information. I was like, oh, okay and kind of moved along and, you know, it helped in, in a certain capacity, but I could also see why that could feel so overwhelming, especially for people who are called old souls. If you've really been here a long, long time, um, that that could almost be very distracting for what you need to do here and now. So that was a great answer for me to hear. I don't know if that works for you, but it worked for me. And then I felt a little settled about it. It's like, okay, that's all right. I don't need to know it all. Yeah, especially yeah, I, I agree. That is, I hadn't heard it explained that way, but I, I like that too. I, I imagine it could be a little confusing remembering your previous 20 lives, you know. <laughs> uh, anybody else? Can I add to it just a little bit? Yes. Uh, and everybody else, 
uh, if you truly want to know your past lives, all you have to do is request. It was your intention to forget all this, uh, you know, past. But right now, if you truly want, you actually can do the request. Like, okay, universe, right now I would like to learn my past life, and that knowledge will be downloaded to you. So. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah, we had a comment in the back row that. Um, if you truly would like to know about your past lives, the best way to get that information is to just request it from the universe, and you'll find that that information is downloaded to you. Thank you. Anyone else? Bruce? Yeah, um, usually we think of evolution and morphological changes, and I was wondering if you considered including like the evolution of the brain. You, you touched on that a little bit with, I mean, one guy was talking about Homo erectus. I think his timelines were all messed up. So Homo erectus was a million years ago, and he said that 50,000 But anyways, um, did you consider that as pressures on the brain that caused the need for additional consciousness to evolve to survive and thrive? Modern life. Let's see if I can uh, repeat that. Uh, Bruce asked, uh, usually we think about evolution in morphological terms as, in, as, as the evolution of the brain over time and the pressures that, um, are, that exist for the brain to develop and evolve. Did you consider including that in the, uh, in the film in any way? I'll let Mike answer this question, but the one thing that I'll add, um, and you may or may not agree, but from my perspective, was to get away from the body and to know that we're more than the physical body and to release maybe some of the concepts of the brain, of the physical organs, even though that there is an evolution that is going on, but really part of the whole film is to realize that we're spirit and consciousness and, and so much more than the physical body. But. I will let Mike answer that question a little bit more. Yeah, basically what she said. Um, <laughs> but really, too, we had to do it in a way that was going to fit in a, well, this is 90 minutes, but we want to keep it definitely under two hours. And to go that route, I don't know if we could have got, gotten everything in there, because then there's also different evolutions of other physical things and so this we kind of skimmed over the physical evolution it's more physical uh, or more of the evolution of consciousness it's what we want to focus on it was, it was mainly trying to fit everything that we our original questions that we set out back in 2008 we wanted to answer them within the three films and to go beyond we might do something like that in the future but um, to fit it into this film, I don't think it would, would have been possible. Yeah, we'll take one or two more questions, then we'll break for uh, the DVDs. Uh, yeah, way up in the back corner. Uh, Frank. Frank. Uh, yeah, I had, uh, I guess, a couple questions that have to do with the uh, reincarnation. Uh, with the experts, was it a common theme that we would all come back to this world with the same rules that we have to live by? Is, or is it possibly we can get into another virtual world? Uh, okay. 
Yeah, uh, Frank was asking uh, with the experts that were interviewed uh, in the reincarnation aspect, uh, is it always that when reincarnated we come back to this physical world or could we go to other worlds, other dimensions? From my understanding after talking with Tom and William is that yes, it's possible, but usually we stick to what we know, for now at least. So most of us have been around this earth plane more than any other place. But of course that's, that's just painting a broad stroke. So I, I, I know that Tom has said that there, you know, if you don't need, if there's something you need somewhere else, you'll go there. But right now this is where we're focused most of the time. That's. That's basically all I have on that. Okay, maybe one more. Juice. Uh, I just want to know if you guys heard recently about the uh, like Silicon Valley, the tech billionaires. Uh, it's in the news, I don't know if anybody else heard it, that they're saying that they're convinced we live in a matrix virtual reality and they're secretly funding scientists to help us break out of it. So that's the big news in the last few weeks that's been going around. <laughs> So they're funding scientists to help us get out of it. <laughs> so yeah, I hadn't heard that, but uh, see if I can paraphrase that for the recording. Uh, the news had just come out recently that, um, do you want to repeat that? Uh, yeah. Just uh, say it a little better than me. Uh, tech billionaires are convinced we live in a matrix of virtual reality and they're secretly funding scientists to help us break out of it. So many of the world's richest and most powerful people, uh, and they said some names here, think we live in a simulation of the real world. So they're paying, they're trying to figure out a way to get out of it. Uh, and this is just recent, yeah. So Sounds like uh, Tom was right, but uh, why do we want to get out of it necessarily? <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that too. Uh, the Tesla guy, Elon, Elon Musk, Musk had, had a big thing yeah, a few months Bank ago. Of America. I was thinking, did you see the movie? It's not Pixar that did it. Um, I think it was Sony, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, but the video games. And they all, at night, when the arcade closes, they all kind of leave their arcade and go to other arcades, and they meet in the, uh, the surge protector behind the machines. And it's kind of, that made me think of that. But we kind of do leave a portion of this reality when we sleep at night. So I don't know how, what they're going to spend the money on. <laughs> um, but it'd be interesting to see what, what they come up with. But, yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to add to it. I don't read news or watch news, so I have no idea. Thank God he does. I can't answer those questions. <laughs> And uh, again, we can't thank you enough for this. I mean, I'm just like a kid in a candy store here. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to answer questions because I was so excited about just watching this on the, on the big screen. So, and we do hope that some of you come back tonight to uh, Bob and Carol's, and they've been a w wonderful hosts for us. So, and thank you all for spending your hard-earned money to come out and be here with us tonight. Um, it really is a blessing. Every screening that we've had has been sold out. Uh, not quite sure how we're doing it, but we're doing it, and everyone who needs to be here was here tonight. So thank you so much for sharing this night with us.
If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at thepastseries. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show. 